a lot of people don't know, one of the reasons that uh, my fitness deteriorated over the last two, well, hey, let me just cut to the chase. I'm not who I used to be. I'm a different person. How can you be the same person when you've actually had cancer three times? And two of those times was most recently all in a short period of time. How can you be the same person when amongst that, your closest person in your life, your brother died? How can you be the same person? Of course, you're a different person. Of course, because someone said to me, oh, Tom, I've noticed you change. How can I not change? How can you not change when you've been sitting in a chemo ward for nine months? You get better. You get six months grace in that time. Your closest person in your life, your only sibling you have, your brother dies, and then you're back in treatment. Of course, I'm not the same person. And let me cover the issue about why I don't swear. One of the reasons I swore is I was the same person speaking to a CEO as I would to a cleaner. I I was the same talk person talking to my mates as I would be talking to a shopkeeper. I was the same person that would speak at a conference as I would be sitting having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone. That's the reason I swore. But I also realized that swearing actually are words and words are powerful. And one of the things is I've got a younger daughter, I've got two daughters, but I've got a younger daughter. And, uh, and I've got to tell you, I was realizing that the words that I was using were being imitated by me, by other people that I cared about. And it doesn't look too good when you've got someone under 15 using those words. So what did I do? I created a habit form template and I created it as a 30-day project that what I would do is actually I would stop swearing. And I have gone, uh, I reckon I'm like 90% of the way there. Sometimes it slips, but I notice uh, intentful um, um, effort um, where I actually did it on a daily basis. And now here's the thing about swearing. You've got to do it both offline and online. You've got to do it on stage and off stage because if you're going to be authentic, you can't sort of just say, today I will change. So for me, it's actually mean taking swearing out, out of my personal life, not just my professional life, which is really the same thing. Uh, a, a weird thing has happened along the way. It appears that I get told by people at conferences come up to me and they say, Tom, we much prefer it when you, you don't swear. And, um, and that's a good thing because if I can actually impact and influence more people just because I actually take a word out that I was using in a sentence, that ain't a big deal to me. So um, that's one of the reasons, you know, I stopped swearing and um, yeah, and it's work in progress. It's work in progress. Um, but I've also, I think in many ways, gang, you gotta, you gotta be honest. Like when something, you know, like what's happened to me over the last few years happens, you also become a different person. I think I'm softer. I think in addition to that, I cry a lot more than I used to. I hardly cried before, but I do cry now. I cry, I cry, when do I cry? I cry when there's a memory of something that makes me sad. I cry sometimes when, um, when I read or hear or see something that I see someone suffering. I, I, I sort of feel that suffering myself. So that makes me sad. 
And I have to tell you, right through my own brother's ordeal, I hardly cried. And I'm going to share with you a letter that was given to me on a plane by a stranger. Um, pretty much what had happened is I'd been re-diagnosed and George had died and it all happened in a very short period of time. And I was going over to New Zealand to do one of my last real estate conferences before I was going to have treatment. And on the flight home, I broke down. The reason I broke down is there was no real estate agents on the plane. There was no family on the plane. There was no friends on the plane. No one was on the plane that knew me. And for the first time, I took my mask off. And when I took my mask off on that flight home from Auckland to Sydney at around 4.30 afternoon on a Friday, I started to accept how shit things were. I started to accept what a big challenge I had in front of me. And I started to accept what life would be with having a future stolen that I was gonna have with my brother. And as I was flying home, a lady on a plane gave me a letter when the plane landed. She'd been watching me from a distance. She'd seen tears in my eyes and she handed me a letter which I'm going to read. I know you feel broken, so I won't tell you to have a wonderful day. Instead, I whispered these words to you. Just hold on. As the darkest days of grief start to get less, the sun will rise again for you. And um, she then walked off the plane. I've never seen her ever again. But that letter became extremely useful over the coming months where things got overwhelming, both emotionally and also physically. And anyone who's ever had poison in their body to get rid of poison knows what I'm talking about. I'll repeat it. I know you feel broken, so I won't tell you to have a wonderful day. Instead, I'll whisper these words to you. Just hold on. As the darkest days of grief start to get less, the sun will rise again for you. And... um, the sun has risen again. I, I can't tell you that the sun has risen as bright as it used to be. Um, I often feel... I have an issue with the physical separation of me and my brother. I also know that there's someone watching this right now. I saw the name popped up who's also losing their brother. And I explained to them that one of the ways that I cope with, with, with death is adopting in a belief that the separation is temporary and that you will reunite again in the future. But what I'd like to tell you about the words of just holding on. You see, when you're in the midst of a, of a, a very dark situation, when you've been hit with, with, with grief, when you've got a problem that, that no doctor, lawyer, banker, politician can solve, what you need to do is somehow have this ability. And I think that if you actually ask me, my biggest strength is the ability to, to not participate in a problem and participate in the solution and understand and understand that that things aren't going to stay permanently bad. And for that matter, they're not going to ever stay permanently good. David, 
David Bissell with love. I need you to know that I feel your pain and I'm in your corner. And I don't know whether there's anything I can do, but what I can tell you is no matter how shit things are, eventually even the worst storms come to an end. And what you've got to do is just hold on like that letter says. You've just got to hold on. So right now, if there's anyone going through a really difficult situation, and that situation might be that that they've lost a loved one, that there's been a diagnosis in their family, that they're waiting for some health news and they're unsure, that they've got a financial issue, that they've got a relationship problem that's about to explode or they might be heartbroken. Um, I don't know. There's an array of problems that people have. What I can say to you is this, that for me, there has been something great that's come out of it. And I have to tell you, the new level of fearlessness that I've been able to develop and cultivate is something that I didn't expect would be this fringe benefit of the darkness. I have to say that I've just noticed as I do an audit and an autopsy of each of my days, I begin to realize that not much upsets me. Not much scares me. I do have one fear, and the fear is that when I do die, that I'll wake up and there will be a new world, and there will be a higher being, be it Buddha, um, and this is not religious, be it, you know, Jesus Christ, be it Allah, be it the universe. And it's audition day. And they're going to sort of say, you know, like, let's just have a look at, you know, I gave you a good start in life. I put you in Australia. You won the birth lottery. And God's going to be having this conversation with me. And God's going to say, I put you in Australia. And I gave you decent parents. And I gave you a decent upbringing. And you were able to drink water out of a tap. At the same time, there was someone born in uh, uh, Ethiopia that was a girl and she was born with HIV so you won the birth lottery big time and I want to ask you Tom how did you think you went you had a lease on life you had a 75 year lease on life I want to ask you how did you think you went and I've just got this fear that there ain't going to be any turning back because I'm in the new world and I can't bullshit because the higher being knows everything. And uh, I don't want to be in a situation where I say, yeah, I did well when it's a lie because I know it'll be found out. So as I've entered my third part of my life, and I've got to tell you, I believe that I've this is my third part. It is the final part, by the way, because I believe zero to 25 is your first part of life, 25 to 50 is your second part of life, and 50 to 75 is your third part of life. And I'm at the third part of life. I've just entered it. I'm 52 years of age. And um, I'm doing my damn best to make my third part of my life my most meaningful, my most important, the one that I create the biggest impact. You see, from zero to 25, you're learning. 
From 25 to 50, well, in my instance, I was about accumulating, collecting. To me, there was ego there. I was sort of just sort of hustling and making money because I wanted to collect things and to be things and to get recognition and to be able to... Um, um, I just thought to myself that if you had lots of toys and if you had lots of holidays and and if you had financial security, which to be honest with you has been one of my values and one of my values has been freedom to be able to wake up some days and say today I choose to actually do what I want to do and I do value that and I think it's a big it's a big money dial for people anyone that's heard me talk about money dials knows that we all have money dials I'm going to turn the aircon on it's so hot in here we all have money dials some people's money dials is uh, holidays other people's money dials is um, you know designer label clothes other people's money dials is their kids education other people's money dials is is um, humanitarian work, for instance, uh, Bill Gates and what he's trying to do with uh, curing malaria or reducing it. And I'm at the third stage of life, 50 to 75. And if I live to more than that, that's fine. But, you know, it pretty much sums it up, that last third. And I'm trying to make an impact while I make an income. And I'm trying to just put myself in a situation where if I'm sitting there in front of God and he says or she says, how did you do in life? I can look God in the eyes and say, the first third, I was a kid learning. The second third, hey, you know what? I thought it was all about the guy with the most toys wins. And my third, third part, you gave me a few tests and I went through them and I became a different person. And Tom Panos 3.0 is a person that um, is more compassionate, is a person that is uh, far less scared, far more certain, has no room for dickheads, is a person that cares, feels the suffering of other people and is making a damn effort to leave the place and the people that I came onto this planet for in a better position when I leave than when I got here. That's pretty much it. And um, I keep thinking about that lady, just hold on. Hold on, I don't care where you're at. Just hold on, just hold on. Um, I'm also gonna let you know that on April the 28th, I'm gonna be interviewed by Chris Hanley at a conference in Melbourne called Rise. It's a real estate conference, but the difference with this conference is that the money from this conference is going to go towards an app for mental health for real estate agents. That's the main reason I've chosen to participate in this conference. Because the money that comes out of this conference will go towards an app that is going to allow people from their home to actually self-service without identifying themselves on issues to do with 
depression, anxiety and other mental health issues. It is one of the few industries that doesn't have a structured, formalised way of dealing with people that have got problems. And let me tell you, there's a lot of people that have got problems in real estate because there's not many jobs in the world that you've got a gun pointing to your head on the first day of every month saying, list or you won't eat. You see, it takes a special person to be able to, on a day-to-day -day basis, face rejection and failure, failure over and over again and still go to sleep each night and wake up and press the repeat button. This takes its toll and it certainly took its toll on the real estate industry in Australia and New Zealand in the last two years where we'd seen the reduction of turnover, which meant the reduction of commissions, which meant the reduction of income for real estate people. And that financial hurdle actually exasperated what might have been dormant anxiety or depression. So anyone that's uh, there's a number of people that are on this rant that are speaking at that conference um, and uh, i believe that they've sold 1100 tickets to that um, of course i'm still very involved in the big conference of the year which is ARIC, which i believe is going to have 5,000 people they're totally two different events um, and uh, they're spaced apart and they're in different areas and um, ARIC, i'm pleased to let you know my favorite guy, I'll be interviewing again, Gary Vaynerchuk, yes, Elle McPherson, Andrew Lutze, Lisa Novak, Josh Tesselin, um, Car Carla Freta, um, you know, we've got a, I'm just trying to remember all the names, forgive me if I've forgotten you, Matty Pilios is there, Angelo Nicholas is there. Kate Smith, 200 sales a year, but uh, both those conferences uh, are coming up and um, I also want to let you know that, um, yeah, so anyone that's involved with the, um, with the RISE conference, would you mind putting the link in the comments below? Because I'd love you, um, you know, to go there to this event. It's a one day event. It's 295 bucks off the top of my head and it's on April the 28th. And um, I'm glad I'm being interviewed because I always do the interviews. So um, there's that happening. And um, I gotta tell you one of, by the way, guys and girls, in May, in May, I've got three spare days. I gotta tell you, from Australia Day, right up until pretty much June the 2nd, I am sort of booked out every day. But in May, I've got three spare days and anyone that wants me to do the half day prospecting blitz, I would love to do it because I did it with uh, my great friend, Sarah Bell from Rita the other day for Ray White at Ponsonby in New Zealand and in four hours, 253 appraisals. What I do is I spend the first two to three hours going over various content. If it's not including Rita, I just do it you know, myself. I've decided to come up and run a conference called Fanatical Prospecting. And what I do is I give you the template, the scripts, the dialogue, what you say. I show you the difference between the golden hours and platinum hours. I show you high prob versus low prob. I then go off and I give you really strong decor statements. We talk about what messages to leave on voicemails. We then go off 
and we go through and make calls by types, the just listeds, just souls, you know, previous appraisals, anniversary calls, property owner currently looking on the market. So I give you all the theory behind it, then you go in and you hit the phones, come back, give you some feedback, and then you hit the phones again. And I've got to tell you, 254 appraisals in four hours, man, I've got to tell you, that is good going and never forget the agent that has the most amount of appointments wins at the end of the day. So guys and girls, that is the end of this Sunday night rant. I've got a flight tomorrow to Perth. Anyone that we have uh, over 100 people at the real estate gym event in Perth on Tuesday. I'm flying to Perth tomorrow. We also have Rise in Perth on Tuesday. I'm in Melbourne and Adelaide this week. Correct. Um, I pretty much haven't uh, been home. I come home on the, uh, on the weekends. So I'm pretty pumped and excited about what we're doing. Uh, nine auctions yesterday, eight of those sold. The highlight was that property in Burwood, 6.22 million. The marketplace is hot. Let's make hay while the sun shines. Guys and girls signing off. God bless you.